This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello and welcome to Save Our Production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we've got a classic Savor episode for you from back when it was food stuff about graham crackers. A subject I feel surprisingly passionate about. Yeah? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, for people who don't know, when we first started this, this was one I really wanted to talk about. Uh-huh. Because graham crackers is named after this one dude. Who uh, who is real wild? Yes, that's a that's a way to put it. <laughs> yes, permanently changed our diet industry the way we look at diet. I would say yes, which is kind of why we wanted to do this classic episode now in this month of January when many humans are trying to perhaps revamp their right. uh, their food and uh, and exercise routines. Right. Yeah, it's it's weird because it did start out as this diet thing and it became very much not what he intended it to be. <laughs> Absolutely not. And I feel like it's it's a static product now because, you know, doing our due diligence and in, uh, in putting out a classic episode, I Googled graham crackers and like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's no like wacky flavors. It's not like sour apple graham crackers. Like there's no like, no. There's room. There's no blue raspberry graham crackers out there. Yet. Yet. It is just the beginning of 2020. Oh, that's true. 2020. Can have some weird stuff in store for us, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, the only things that I found are that apparently Popeyes came out with a uh, with a 
a, a pie, like a handheld pie, mm-hmm. r- right? Normal handheld pie crust. And inside, it has strawberry cheesecake filling and also graham cracker crumbs. So <laughs> the crust is inside the crust. I, if that's not a metaphor for something, then I don't know what is. <laughs> the crust is inside the crust, everybody. The call is coming from inside the crust. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Reddit says it's delicious. I don't know. Um, your mileage may vary. You know, I've never been to Popeye's, and I feel like really? it's time. It might be time. Gosh. Yes. <laughs> this this was the thing. It was the thing. <laughs> Dylan, I posted on our Instagram one of my very rare story posts that he, he gave me for Christmas, a um, Avengers gingerbread oh, kit. Oh, right, yeah. So you can, like, build the city, and then you have the little Avenger characters, and they're going to battle. I might bring it to D&D. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> It has that graham crackers in it. Great. Yeah, yeah. Graham crackers are um, an, an occasional building material for gingerbread-type house-type right. situations. Mm-hmm. Sure. I just uh, – I did also find a uh, – apparently Austin P. State University has a annual um, graham cracker construction contest. Yes. Yes. Uh, you, the students are supposed to recreate historic buildings or modern buildings either out of graham crackers and, like, roll icing and uh, candy. See, and she showed me some pictures, and they look fantastic. They do. They do. They're, like, like multi-story yeah. structures, which I am very impressed by. Yes. Well, I am, too, because this bought back. <laughs> Apparently, I've got a lot of issues around graham crackers because when I was in high school, we had to build a bridge out of only two materials, and I made a very foolish decision <laughs> and did graham crackers and glue. <laughs> and let me tell you, the stress of knowing, like, the glue just wouldn't dry. It wouldn't hold it. Oh, I'd be in no. class. Like, I got to go in. I got to go home between classes and try to re-glue it and try to get it to oh. stick. Oh, no. <laughs> and it was just sticky, and it kept falling, and I would get so mad I'd break it, and then I'd have to start from scratch. Oh, and I'm sure the moisture would, like, seep into the graham crackers uh-huh. and cause, like, points of weakness in the structure. Oh, god, It was a disaster. I'm sorry. An unmitigated <laughs> Disaster. Cracker disaster. <laughs> yes. Perhaps uh, that's why I was so ready oh, to go in against to hate this guy. The gram. They taste great. They <laughs> <laughs> do. I, I love a graham cracker. Right? They just maybe were not the wise construction choice that I should have made. Well. I did learn. We we live and sometimes we learn. Sometimes we do. Occasionally. <laughs> sometimes they're graham cracker based lessons. <laughs> Uh, and speaking of, uh, we are going to let former Annie and Lauren take it away. Hello and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And I'm Annie Reese. And this is the uh, second part of our summer kickoff. Very uh, celebratory. Yeah, our, our punchy two-potter on marshmallows and graham crackers. It's very punchy. And for those who have been listening to previous episodes, you know we've been dying to talk about Dr. Graham and the graham cracker since the beginning. Yeah, especially Annie. This is I think this is your, your super passion project. Yeah, I made I sent Lauren an email and I had a picture of <laughs> Dr. Graham with the target on his face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and and how how has someone who invented the graham cracker incited Annie's ire like this? Oh, we're going to talk about it. Yes. We're going to talk all about it. But first, let's talk about what exactly a graham cracker is. 
Well, a graham cracker is a lightly sweetened, puffy cracker. Properly, it should be made at least partially with a type of whole wheat flour called graham flour. And, okay, let's go on a slight flour tangent. So uh, so, 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 wheat flours. Wheat flours um, are made up of ground wheat grains, which are seeds composed of, of a germ, you know, the little growy bit. It's filled with fats and vitamins. That's surrounded by an endosperm, um, which is the food for the germ. It's made of carbs and proteins. And all of that is wrapped up in the bran, which is the fibrous outer layer that protects everything and keeps it inside. A white flour is made from wheat grains that have had the tough bran and germ removed. In most whole wheat flours, that stuff is sifted out during the grinding, and then at least some of it is uh, ground and then added back in. But in graham flour, the whole grain is ground together sort of coarsely, more like a meal than a flour, almost. And uh, traditionally, that's what gives graham crackers that sort of fine grit that you that you wouldn't get in other uh, whole wheat flour preparations. Hmm. Yes. They should be sweetened partially with molasses or brown sugar to kind of round out their toasty, sweet flavor. And they're similar to the digestive biscuits of the United Kingdom. If that's what you're familiar with, they're sort of like a graham cracker. Oh. I've always loved the name digestive biscuit. Right? It makes me feel like I have it after dinner to help my stomach digest things. I don't so, know. It's so healthful. You're, you're doing yourself a favor. I'm sure. I'm sure that I am. Especially when they're covered in chocolate. Yes. Oh, well, then yes. That is a favor. <laughs> Maybe not a healthy one, but it's a favor. So now that we know what the graham cracker is, let's talk about how it came to be. First, we should point out that the modern graham cracker has undergone quite the Hollywood transformation and does not much resemble what its first incarnation was. At all. No, at all. And to understand the history of the graham cracker, we have to talk about one Dr. Sylvester Graham. Graham was born in Connecticut in 1794, and he was one of 17 children. Oh, Yeah. His father died when he was a baby, and his mother suffered from a mental illness, so he stayed with a series of relatives growing up. For a stint, he lived with the owner of a tavern who put Graham to work in said tavern, and his experience with drunks and drunkenness led Graham to swear off alcohol forever. He held many jobs from farmhand to teacher, but one constant thing he dealt with was illness— In his late 20s, health permitting, he attended Amherst Academy in Massachusetts, where evidently he enjoyed popularity among the ladies. The other fellows were quite jealous and conspired to get him kicked out of the college by lying about his improper interactions with said ladies. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And apparently it worked, and he was giving the old heave-ho. Oh, no. And his health failed. He had a nervous breakdown, and he had to move to Rhode Island to recover. Why Rhode Island? I don't know. But he did in 1826, and that same year he got married, was ordained as a Presbyterian minister, and became the minister of a congregation in New Jersey. So quite the year for him. Yes. He was pretty well-liked, except for one minor thing. The sermons he gave railing against alcohol, because at the time, alcohol was pretty much everywhere. And it was just sort of a thing you did at social events. It was the hospitable thing to do, offer somebody a drink. Uh, People at that time drank about three times as much as we do today. Yeah. Yeah, and it was still commonly used medicinally for all kinds of things, including what we now call stress. 
Mm-hmm. You use it medicinally for that sometimes too. Uh huh. Well, they did back then. <laughs> <laughs> Graham left his congregation in 1830 and was hired by the Pennsylvania Society for the Suppression of Ardent Spirits, quite a name, to go around speaking about the health risk and immorality of alcohol. This was all part of the temperance movement that was sweeping the United States from the 1820s through through at least the 40s on into the 70s and 80s as well, started largely in Protestant churches, but expanding into local and national groups. And, and th- this movement was largely run and led by women and was thus sort of surprisingly feminist in some ways. It wound up pushing for women's rights. It, it also led to the passing of laws that would eventually culminate in a prohibition, nationwide prohibition. But yeah, uh, as of the 1830s, it involved a lot of groups hiring people to go around and preach virtue and good health via abstaining from alcohol. And Graham was great at these preachings. He was so great that people began calling him Dr. Graham, even though he's not a real doctor. Dr. Graham. That I thought he was a real doctor. Me too. Man. Huh. Enter... Cholera outbreak of 1832. Oh, my goodness. Panic sweeps the nation. Doctors call for a curative composed, in part, of brandy. But Graham was having none of it. He said that drug shops were lurking at every corner, waiting, quote, like so many craters of hell, to vomit out the lava of death. What? Yeah. (laughs) He was not messing around. Okay. Nope. In Graham's book, your best bet to prevent cholera was, you know, don't worry about it. And ignore these doctors. <laughs> Instead, you need to bathe at regular intervals, spend some time in the great outdoors, breathing that fresh air, getting some exercise, drink pure water, and absolutely the most important, eat foods of the plant kingdom. No meat, no alcohol, no tobacco, and no, absolutely do not even think about having any white bread. <laughs> and as a result of this, vegetarianism, Started to become more well-known. I should point out that a lot of that's pretty good advice. Yes. Uh, this is kind of the start of um, preventative-like mm-hmm. lifestyles. Yeah. Yeah. Which is nice. Oh, oh yeah. I have no problem with that at all. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, while all of this was happening, the food industry was busy industrializing. Uh, as we touched on in our sourdough episode, this significantly impacted bread, moving it um, out of something that was baked in homes into large factories and depleting a lot of the nutritional value. Technologies had been developed that could grind flour finer and sift out the bran and the germ. And Graham did not approve. No. Nope. He thought it led to a lazy colon. That sounds horrible. Which I guess is partially true-ish because, you know, the fiber's taken out. Um, And also bakeries at the time were unregulated and uh, they didn't necessarily always use good ingredients. Mm Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of rumors about, the, you know, like drywall getting mixed up in there or something like that. I don't think it was drywall. Plaster. <laughs> I don't think drywall is invented for a while later. But, yeah. And Graham believed lifestyle as prevention was what God had always intended. So he was one of the first to popularize the idea of religion and health or morality and health in our culture. If you were getting sick, you were violating a law of life laid down by God. Graham thought this to be his God-given mission to promote this diet and to save Americans from their immoral diet choices. And to be fair, because we can't tell I got a bit of a beef with Graham, it sounds like he was 
uh, saying repeated infractions for the culprit, like eating too much meat or drinking too much alcohol. But still, he argued that gluttony is, quote, one of the greatest sources of evil to the human family. Whew. Yeah. And another thing. The Graham <laughs> diet, as it was known, was also meant to prevent what was seen by many as the evils of the day, lust, masturbation, and all manner of sexual immorality. Quote, unquote. Right. Mm -hmm. By following his diet, avoiding overstimulation, which included feather beds and warm food, your libido <laughs> would greatly decrease and protect you from such sinful temptation. He went around giving lectures about sexual chastity, saying things along the lines of, like, spicy foods lead to a spicy constitution and should be avoided. <laughs> and he particularly maligned masturbation, which he believed caused blindness and insanity. Uh, yeah, he believed that masturbating inflames the brain, e even more so than sex, uh, which yeah. he believed that no one should have more than once a month. Oh. He thought that if you exercised your lust too much, your children would die young because you had diluted your reproductive abilities. Yeah. There's this whole thing where uh, they thought sperm was sacred at the time and you only had a certain amount and yeah. everyone was like this perfect thing and you shouldn't waste it. Yeah. Don't use it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and though there were a fair amount of skeptics, Graham attracted quite the following of supporters who were known as Grahamites. They claimed the diet cured all kinds of things, and some of them lived in communities together. Yeah. And this is about the time we finally arrive at the Graham Cracker. But first, quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So let's go back to that white bread thing, because it is central to the Graham Crackers origin story. In 1837, Graham wrote this this thing called Treatise on Bread and Bread Making. Which sounds lovely just by the title. <laughs> I mean, sure, that sounds, that's I, I would read a treatise on bread and bread making. Yeah. A snippet from the introduction. Thousands in civic life will, for years, and perhaps as long as they live, eat the most miserable trash that can be imagined in the form of bread, and never seem to think that they can possibly have anything better, not even that it is an evil to eat such vile stuff as they do. I have thought, therefore, that I could hardly do society a better service than to publish the following treatise on a subject which, whether people are aware of it or not, in reality, is of very great importance to the health and comfort of everyone. So that's not so lovely. (laughs) I'd be very disappointed had I picked up this book, (laughs) expecting, like, wonderful bread recipes. Yeah. None, None of that was contained therein. In this book, he advocated for making bread using a method he developed of grinding up whole wheat kernels. Mm -hmm. uh, And the resulting product was the coarser than your average whole wheat flour that came to be known as graham flour. And this vilification of commercialized bread and those that made it led to Graham being mobbed by some angry bakers. Uh, Also some butchers at some point who thought that he was, you know, bad for business. Mm -hmm. And this wasn't the first time he was mobbed either. In 1834, a group of women mobbed him at a lecture about chastity. But I, I believe this had more to do with a man speaking to women in public about sex than any sort of backlash against chastity. Yeah. Uh, According to Graham, bread had to be made by wives and mothers with love and care, which would then lead to a happy digestive system of those who ate it. A lot of women didn't like this because the introduction of commercialized bread had freed up some of their time. Now get back in the kitchen, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Graham would use the graham flour to make graham crackers, but... Like we said, they were a far cry from today's graham crackers. Oh, yeah. No, they, they were they were not sweetened. They contained no fat. Uh, it was basically just, just this graham flour and water. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sold and produce, produced them locally, but without profit, because he believed that to be immoral. And Oberlin adopted the Graham diet for their diet plan in 1838. Oberlin College, yes. Yes. Uh, And three years later, students were protesting, and a professor was fired for using the forbidden sexually provocative pepper. And Oberlin (laughs) dropped the diet from their dining halls. And by the late 1830s, Graham's influence started to wane. Can't can't imagine that. I mean, you know, you feed these people like something that has to be boiled, basically, in order to be edible. And why why would people protest that? I don't know. Why would college students not be down with that? <laughs> I'm not sure. It's one of the great mysteries. 
The New York Times wrote in 1836 that Grahamism was, quote, the most pernicious and abhorrent, a fanatical attempt to shut out from mankind certain sources of happiness and enjoyment, which were clearly provided and intended for them in the economy of the earth. That's pretty harsh criticism right there. Uh, Partially because he thought it was immoral to sell things, he died totally broke and in destitution uh, in 1851 at the age of 51. And guess who drew inspiration from Dr. Graham? Our friend Dr. Kellogg. (laughs) Although he's an actual doctor, at least. At least. At least? Yeah, I guess. Mm. Uh, In fact, some people argue that Graham's greatest legacy is his influence on Kellogg, who was a Grahamite, using Graham flour, among other things, He invented a rather bland cereal he called granola. Mm -hmm. And launching off its success, he went on to formulate cornflakes. But so how on earth did we go from from this terrible, healthful, bland cracker that you might have had to boil before eating to the lovely, sweet sandwich capturer of marshmallows, friend of s'mores? Mm Mm-hmm. Pie crust ingredient. Yeah. How did we do it? We'll what? tell you after another quick word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. Roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So, 
Although Graham passed away, uh, his Graham flour would live on. And by the late 1800s, recipes for uh, Graham flour crackers involving sugar <gasps> and butter my God. or lard goodness, uh, uh, would start to emerge, um, although the unsweetened version was still made. They were called more often uh, Graham wafers than Graham crackers, hmm. and commercial bakeries were also starting to sell them. Then in uh, 1898, the National Biscuit Company formed, and this was a conglomeration of 114 independent bakeries. Wow. And they would easily dominate the cracker market in the United States. According to one Thomas S. Olive, <laughs> Olive with two L's, uh-huh. a noted biscuitman uh, and the vice president of the company, uh, he said, the formation of the National Biscuit Company resulted in practically a new biscuit industry. So thorough was the revolution which took place. That sounds very epic. It was It was around that time that um, innovations in manufacturing technology allowed for the uh, formerly kind of fussy and labor-intensive process of making and cutting crackers to become easier and more automated, uh, dough mixers and, and uh, stamp cutters, stuff like that. But there was a bit of an upset in 1910 where some dishonest mills were selling whole wheat flour that had been sifted and only had a little bit of the bran worked back in. As Graham flour, Ooh, the USDA Bureau of Chemistry, which was a thing mm-hmm. uh, prior to the FDA, uh, the USDA Bureau of Chemistry did a really extensive analysis. Really extensive. This was serious. I, it sounds serious. I don't don't market things that aren't Graham flour as Graham flour. Don't you do it, Annie Reese? It's the ghost of Dr. Graham. <laughs> like I know what you've done. Meanwhile, in 1925, the Pacific Coast Biscuit Company, a, another cracker conglomerate, <laughs> apparently there was a lot of those back in the wow. day, they launched their honey-made line. Perhaps you've heard of them. Um, th- they would be purchased by the National Biscuit Company five years later. Hmm. National Biscuit Company, Nabisco. I, I can't believe I never put that had, together. I had no idea. Nope. I probably, if it had been, like, one dude who invented it, as is most of our episodes, can be traced back. There's one guy. Yeah. That's what I I would have thought. That it was a guy named Nabisco. Yeah. Mr. Nabisco. Nope. Nope. National Biscuit Company. Mm -hmm. These 1920s-ish graham crackers were marketed with the the name sugar in their name for a long time because cookies were sometimes called sugar crackers back then. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And further innovations over the next few decades would develop the process that is used today. Um, uh, Massive drums mix the dough, a series of uh, gauged rollers squish it down to the right thickness, rotary cutters slice it into shape, and the crackers are baked in a a tunnel oven on conveyor belts. (laughs) There's a lot of gesturing happening right now. Yes. By the 1950s, graham cracker crumbs became a popular ingredient in desserts, and in their current form, most mass-produced graham crackers are actually not made from graham flour. Mm-hmm. They're made mostly of white flour and are colored to achieve the whole wheat look. Modern animal crackers are usually made of the same dough. Oh, I don't like animal crackers. No? No. Do you like graham crackers? I do. And this is one of the great ironies is that they were invented as a health food using graham flour And now they are not a health food. 
and, and they, they don't use graham flour. <laughs> they're still called graham crackers. Uh, I think I think our friend Dr. Graham is rolling in his grave. I think so too. Although his, I mean, preventative lifestyle, and I did read a lot of people who conveniently glossed over the whole uh, masturbation and sex and mm-hmm. all that being evil thing uh, to. Uh, praise him for helping spread vegetarianism and a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. Which I can appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that other stuff was was crazy. The problem, I'm not going to go into the whole tangent of why I don't like uh, Dr. Graham, but there are some videos from my old show, Stuff I Never Told You, if you want to check it out. <laughs> um, I have more of a problem of that, that it's tied to morality and that we've tied weight to morality because you can't, I mean, so much genetics is involved. Oh yeah, yeah, and then there and there's so many different body types, and there's nothing that says that that any one of them is a healthy one. Yes, exactly. For any given person, that's my main problem. Yeah. Yes. If you don't want to buy a graham cracker at the store, you could make your own. You can. Mm-hmm. I have never done this. Have you done this? No, but I. Contemplated seriously doing it because I have a I have a recipe book and I have the page folded down. Perhaps it will happen in the near future. I've I've heard it's worthwhile. Uh, Alton Brown and Smitten Kitchen both have recipes that look pretty excellent. Um, you don't strictly have to track down graham flour, but um, but specialty companies like King Arthur and uh, Bob's Red Mill stuff like that they they do totally sell it. So you can find it. Yeah, I don't think I've ever. I've never been looking for it, but I don't think I've ever seen graham flour. I don't think I have either. But again, yeah, might have just glossed right over it. It definitely exists. And I think that's about what we have to say about graham crackers. Yeah. I I don't know what you were expecting when you clicked on this episode, but this isn't what I was expecting to be reading about today. No, and I would... uh, Well, I'm not going to ask you to do this, but I took a moment to do this and think about kind of the impact that people like Graham and Kellogg had on how we view diet today and also just products and how they're marketed and what we can still buy. I think it's worth pondering, perhaps. Yes. (laughs) That could just be me. (laughs) So this brings us to the end of this classic episode, a fascinating story. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Lots of twists and turns in this one. Gosh, it really, uh, I think, I think says a lot about how willing people are to to glom on to a concept that someone puts in front of them as as you know, like, hey, this is a lifestyle thing. This sounds good. It will make you feel good. Mm-hmm. It it's kind of moralistic. It's super moralistic. Yeah, yeah, um, and you know. And all humans have a little part of their brain that's like, oh, I want to be good. Yeah. And, you know, so sometimes uh, sometimes you follow along with stuff. I, I guess I guess what I'm saying is, you know, hey, in this our season of uh, trying to change up our, our food and drink and exercise habits, you know, look, look, look at things with a, with a critical eye. Oh, I agree. Because a lot of this stuff sounds silly to us now. We're working on another episode soon also diet-based with a dude's name <laughs> specific. And it sounds silly to us now, but I can totally I get it. I can totally oh, sure. see it. Yeah, especially when you didn't have the power to like Google stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, take care of yourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and uh speaking of, I, I did want to say I, I refer in this episode to some of the ideas 
of Dr. Graham, Dr. Graham, <laughs> as uh, as crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of life lessons, like like that that is a word that I try not to apply, right. especially in a derogatory sense towards anything or anyone in these are modern times. This was published back in 2017, one of our very early episodes. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I just, you know, wanted to say, like, apologies for anyone who heard that and was a little bit offended. And, uh, yeah, we're all we're all learning all the time. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's the best we can do. Yep. And if you would like to email us about what's how your 2020 has started, yeah. <laughs> you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SaverPod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Andrew Howard and Dylan Fagan. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. Roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.